brother Justin's sermon text will be in Matthew 16, 13 through 17. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say to the Son of Man is? They said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He, he said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are, are you, Simon, are Jonah, for flesh the blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in, who is in heaven. Amen. 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 Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that Brother Justin's sermon text will be edifying, Lord, and I pray that all of our ears would be open, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Jordan, for that. Good morning. We greet, we greet all of you in the name of the Lord. Those of you who have joined us on live stream, we appreciate your fellowship with us. What I aim to do in this series for the foreseeable future, should the Lord tarry, is to present to you unique aspects of Jesus Christ for your consideration. Every time I get up here at this pulpit, I want to to focus on a facet of Christ. Jesus is, he's like a diamond. Picture a diamond cut with all of its intricate facets. And as you're turning this thing, these different different parts of it are, are coming into focus and certain parts of it are changing color. It's the same diamond, but it's intricate. It's beautifully intricate. So I would like to, to, to minister to you now the measure that the Lord has given me to see of these facets of Christ. And as we were just finished with the foundational series of knowing God, I thought long and hard about foundational truths about Jesus Christ himself. What are the fundamental and foundational truths about Jesus that one must know before Christ will profit them any? And by prophet, I mean, what eternal gain can a person receive from Christ? And this is it. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This, the revelation of this, brethren, is foundation. It's, it's foundational to our salvation. Unless this is understood and believed, you will never be able to see the things of God. Everything about how a person thinks and reasons, what they are able to perceive will be utterly confined to the things that are seen. This life only, shut out to God, wandering in the dark. Until a person sees Jesus as the Son of God, they remain incapable of responding to God. They are powerless and without God, without hope. His teachings to such a person are no more than farm lessons to a sower, and his ministry on the earth goes no further than feeding hungry people fish and bread. See, some men never get beyond these assessments of Jesus. There are multitudes of people in our day following a Jesus 
that are laboring for the meat that perishes because they cannot see who Jesus really is. In our, in, see, in Jesus' day, at least these men likened Christ to Isaiah and Jeremiah and and the prophets. <clears throat> but see, in t today there are so many false Jesuses being presented that men actually think he's some sort of friendly genie to grant their wishes. Or on the other side of the spectrum, maybe he's some sort of austere teacher. But while the world has its assessments of who Jesus is, he asks you, who do you say that I am? Peter responded, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Now I'd like to dedicate this to the apologetic ministries of our day. For those of you who don't know what that is, Christian apologetics attempts to reconcile spiritual truth with scientific, historical, physiological, psychological, or otherwise tangible evidence. Now, while I admit that I enjoy a well-written article here or there pointing to the obvious connection between the seen and the unseen, and of course, they're not surprising to us, when, when I read an article that says, we found fossilized ocean life on the top of Mount Everest, see, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me, because I know, I already know that there was a global flood that covered the entire earth. So if anything, these things are like, they're like tidbits of confirmation to us. But no matter, no matter what you think about these things, such approaches will never be able to persuade a person that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Tangible evidence cannot produce faith. It comes from hearing the Word of God. Moses told this to the rich man, didn't he? Neither will they be persuaded, even though one rose from the dead. I mean, you can't really get more tangible than that. You can't persuade a person of this reality that Jesus Christ is the Son of God apart from God's direct involvement. No matter how many arguments, no matter how much temporal evidence you pile up, or even miracles you present a person, they will not be able to see the truth of who Jesus really is through these means. There's nothing that I can do personally of myself that will lead you to a conclusion that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood cannot reveal this to a person. Amen. Now, nevertheless, and I'm not condemning people who... who, uh, who I, you know, I appreciate anyone who exposes the foolishness of atheism and evolution. I, I, I appreciate that. But nevertheless, see, flesh and blood cannot reveal this about Jesus to anybody. So who do you say that he is? Today, if you can say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it's because God revealed that to you. It's not because you were just so smart and figured it all out on your own. See, God revealed it to you. Jesus says you are blessed. You are blessed that you know that. <clears throat> now, of course, when I say that you can say Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I'm not talking about an empty confession. I'm not talking about, okay, okay, raise, put your hand on the Bible and, and raise your right arm or repeat, repeat these words, Jesus Christ. See, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about mouthing the words, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What I, what I really mean to say is, Jesus says, who do you say, who do you say that I am? In other words, who are you persuaded that Jesus really is? 
who he really is. Who are you persuaded that he is? See, this is a confession that comes from believing in God with all of your heart. The heart must be tuned up by the preaching of the word. God has to draw a person to himself. See, Philip spent some time preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch. He, he started from that passage in Isaiah, Isaiah and he preached, from, he preached starting in that passage. He preached Jesus to him, right? He fanned the flame of the Ethiopian eunuch's tender heart. He took hold of the words of Philip that were preached unto him. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. Can you, can you hear the desire in this passage? You see, here is water. What hinders me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered. What was the answer of a man who believed with all of his heart? He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Christ, the Son of God. How did he know that? Being unprompted, God revealed it to the man. There's a lot of consideration, brethren. There's a lot of consideration in this title, the Son of God, eternal, from everlasting to everlasting. I am that I am. Alpha and the Omega, the creator of the heavens and the earth, preeminent, righteous, holy, faithful, true, worthy, the Lord, the Word, Savior, Redeemer, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, the Good Shepherd, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, the Living Water and the Bread from Heaven, the Lamb, the Second Man. All of these things and considerations fit into the Son of God. Even when a person makes this confession, they may not be able to initially perceive any of this detail, but they conclude that Jesus is from God. Can you get any more profound or superior than coming from God himself? The scriptures foretold of one who, who would be sent by God, that deity himself would come down to us. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Consider that. God himself personally and intimately involved in the salvation of men. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send another personality. It took God himself coming down to earth to dwell with us as mortal flesh. What a thought is that? But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler of Israel, whose going forth have been from everlasting to everlasting. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels. And I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father, and he shall be my son. The Lord, this is the Lord's Christ, the only begotten Son of God the one sent to work salvation on the earth, the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, the promise since the beginning. 
He is the, the anointed one of God to carry out his work. If Jesus has no full connection to God, how can he bring us to God? How can Jesus save us if he has no full connection to God? <clears throat> Peter, no doubt, had these things on his mind, even though the Old Testament Scriptures spoke surprisingly very little about it. But there were things that remained by faith in the mind of Peter when he was asked, Who do you say that I am? They were looking for one to whom the Scriptures had proclaimed. And John the Baptist, having stirred up with a holy stirring, prepared this way by testifying of the soon and coming Messiah. This proclamation through the Scriptures of what God was going to do, spoken through His prophets, prepared the hearts of certain men for God to reveal the Son of God to them. It's the declaration of what, has God, what God has done through Christ in His glorious Gospel that has the power to draw men to the point where he can reveal to those who possess a faith in Christ that Christ is his Son, the one God to, sent to save men from perdition. He came to save men from their sins. Without Christ, there would be no forgiveness of sin or deliverance from sin. There would be no reconciliation. Peace would never have been made. Men would not be able to receive anything but wrath from God. They would remain in enmity with God, enslaved to their fallen natures, and in a perpetual state of damnation. But Jesus is the Christ. He came and did something about our condition. He's our Savior. And we needed a Savior. This is not, brethren, this isn't a, merely a religious teaching. Okay, this is a this is a high truth that needs to pro be proclaimed to everyone who's dragging in the dirt of this earth that Jesus came to save us. <clears throat> you don't ever have to sin again. Yeah. Why? He's effective. Yeah. He's a say. He's the Christ. Those who say things like, "Well, you know, we just can't help but sin," you know how we really are. They don't really believe that Jesus is a savior. Now, it's important that we see these two things together. How could he be an effectual savior? It, how could he be an effectual savior if he wasn't God's son? If he did not come from God, how could he possibly serve in the absolute and total entrance of God without fail? Jesus was in the beginning with God and was God. He was sent down from heaven by God. Jesus is well-pleasing to God. Apart from the moment God forsook him on the cross, he has never been and will ever be displeasing to God. He is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. He, and he is these things regardless if men perceive them or not. See, men may say things like, well, you know, you know, man, Jesus was just like us. You know, they, they put this kind of hipster tone on him. They emphasize his own humanity. What I mean is that what I mean is that Jesus, if he was alive today, he wouldn't have a pair of headphones in wearing Nikes and skateboarding down the street. I understand that he experienced physical pain, hot, cold, and tiredness. He is able to be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He is a man, but he was not a fool. He wasn't a hipster. What I'm saying is that even though God identifies with us, there's a large part of Jesus that is nothing like us. He is the only 
begotten Son of God. He is the express image of the Father. In Him all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. If you have seen Jesus, you have also seen the Father. And He who loves Him will be loved by the Father. Isn't that good news? See, we have a measure of the Spirit. Jesus had the Spirit without measure. This is because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How could anyone else but deity have the Spirit without measure? Could a man that possessed a sinful nature, a body inclined to sin, have the Spirit without measure? He is the light who brings spiritual enlightenment to the world. He reveals the true nature of all flesh and His words discern the thoughts and intents of mankind. He is able to do these things because He is the Son of God. No man comes to God by Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is bringing many sons to glory. Salvation to mankind came through Him alone. He alone brings the way to eternal life. God has committed to Him all authority and dominion and power to Him in heaven and earth and has highly exalted Him at the right hand. He is called faithful and true. He judges with a righteous judgment. He will not tolerate sin in His Father's house for He is a keeper of His Father's house because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. To deny Christ is to reject God. There is only one perfect, accurate representation of God. That is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He does only what is good and merciful. He, he, he healed the sick and opened the eyes of the blind. He did things that no one else ever did. He does things that, that no man has ever done. He spoke with an authority that no man's ever spoke with. He... he cleansed lepers. He healed a man with a withered hand. This perfection owes to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Even His very death caused the temple veil to split and the earth to quake greatly. And the centurion, after he saw these things, what did he conclude? Surely this was the Son of God! Now across today, across the world today, there are gatherings of people who at this very second are listening to sermons that come from a powerless perspective. Where Jesus is viewed as only a friend or someone who merely made educated guesses on how we should live, they view Him as more man and less God. A person who is known for His temporal accomplishments and physical workings on this earth only. He is identified in our time more and more as a friend of sinners, something that his enemies said about him, by the way, than the Son of God. Who do you say that he is? Is he just someone who came for you or for God? Is he just a servant sent by God? Or do you believe that he actually came forth from God himself? He himself declared, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. How you view Jesus will determine what you receive from Him. And the things that we must receive to get from here to there only come from the Son of God Himself. If you can believe this, brethren, you will overcome the world. Who is He that overcometh the world? But He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John 5.5 
Since Jesus is the Son of God, He is the preeminent one. There is no one that is higher than Jesus other than God. And Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the number one person with whom we have to do. Jesus is the one who deserves the utmost, our utmost attention and respect. A man might be able to argue with you about who is more important than another person. But if Jesus is seen as the Son of God, He instantly becomes the most important person. Trust me when I say that if you can see Jesus Christ as the Son of God, you will yield to Him immediately. It's like our brother Given said earlier today. He said, when the superior comes, the secondary becomes inferior. See, everybody yields to a person that they believe is superior to themselves. So no matter how much a person says, Jesus is number one in my life, I love Jesus, if they don't, if they don't yield to him, they're just lying. That's all they're doing. They're just lying. Jesus is the superior person. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Give God thanks because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. It was revealed to you from heaven. Now doesn't that give you confidence? If God started that work, don't you think He's going to finish it? Do we have one example in all of the Scripture where God began a work and somebody rose up and said He was not able to finish? He finished the work of atonement, didn't He? He was not spared by God, but was offered up for us all. How much more shall He with Him freely give us all things, considering that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? We are blessed. We are blessed, brethren. That's all that I had to say on this subject. I am looking forward to each and every one of you, the measure that the Lord has granted to give you to see something about this. Express that during our time of comments, and I look forward to that ministry. I sat one day and did desire to write down with my pen all the things of him I could describe and comprehend. But I found he was far greater than my words could ever tell. How do you speak of someone who is saving you from hell? What kind of man exists who holds the spirit without measure? Who else at twelve can serve the Lord and it be all his pleasure? Who else can multiply some bread and fishes with their hand? He's one whom all creation bows down right at his command. Who else only with a word can raise a man up from the dead or cause someone who's lame to rise up walking with his bed? Who else is able with a touch to heal a withered hand or walk on water as it were a solid piece of land? His words of wisdom are of the authoritative kind. Who else casts out demons from a man and gives him back his mind? What other man endured such pain without ever doing wrong? To whom all the world and even more does rightly now belong? What words can I use to tell it? And is there even any? How do you describe in detail him who forgives your sins of many? What word is worthy of a man who gives us of his spirit? What word exists? Please tell me now. The whole world needs to hear it. And as I thought upon all of these marvelous depictions, my spirit started echoing within it this description. It was fitting for the man who could only do what was done. He had to be our God the Father's only begotten Son. 
And that is why I yield to him. He's above all. He's no fraud. He is the everlasting, preeminent Son of God. No other title fit him best that I could find the right. Thou art the only Son of God. O Lord, Thou art the Christ. Brother Jason has her exhortation. I just want to point out to you in this in this passage what happened before and after this great confession of Christ. We all know what happened in the text that was read and that was expounded where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? And it was Simon Peter. Uh, who usually had the most to say among the disciples, who spoke up, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter at that point uh, looks pretty good to us. That's quite, a, that's quite an, a, a thing to say at that time. But I want you to notice what had happened with the disciples right before this account. Uh, it says in verse 5 of chapter 16, when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now listen to what it says they said. They began discussing it among themselves. We brought no bread. They, they didn't get it at all, what he was saying. It, it completely went over their heads. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith. Now that's quite a rebuke. That's quite a rebuke. To, for Je- You don't want Jesus to say that to you. Oh, you of little faith. And then right after this, right after Jesus or excuse me, right after Peter had said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Listen to what happened right after that. From that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter, this is the same Peter, who had just said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter took Him aside. Jesus, Peter took Jesus aside. And begin to rebuke him. Peter began to rebuke Jesus, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. That's the same Peter that just said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But he, that's Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Call Peter Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, by way of exhortation, let me just say this, first of all, that when you have some of your best moments, some of your greatest spiritual growth, some of your greatest spiritual insight, maybe you were able to say it just right, when you have those moments, you cannot in any way take credit for that. You can't. You can't do it. Jesus said to Peter, he said, he didn't say, Peter, you know, that's a really great insight. He said, that was revealed to you. You didn't come up, you didn't come up with that on your own. Amen. So at the moment of your greatest achievements and, and growth in the Lord and insights, you cannot take credit for it. Be, be, in fact, you need to be careful at those times that you give the appropriate credit 
to God. Don't start thinking more highly of yourself than you ought because I guarantee you that at the very moment when you have that greatest insight, that greatest accomplishment, that greatest moment of growth, at that very moment, the flesh is still present with you. And the very next moment, you could be saying something just as silly as what Peter said here. That'll never happen to you, Lord. Because you see, there's all areas in which we still need growth. There's all there's there's still areas of our of our um, personal lives of our character that still still needs to grow. There's still there's still understanding that we need to have. We still have the liabilities of the flesh. But here's the good news. Here's the encouraging part of this. That even when we have those moments, Jesus is not casting us off. Now, I just read for you how Jesus rebuked his disciples when they didn't understand about the bread. I just read to you how Jesus rebuked, seriously rebuked Peter for that silly thing about you know saying, this will never happen to you, Lord. But Jesus never said, all right, Peter, that's it. I'm through with you. That's it. I've had it up to here with you, Peter. You're done. Peter never Jesus never said that to Peter. No. Or to the other disciples when they when when Jesus said the other he said the other disciples, "Oh, you have little faith." He didn't say, "That's it, guys. It's over. You can't follow me anymore. If there's too much unbelief here, I'm going to go find 12 new guys." He Jesus didn't say that. And Jesus isn't going to say that to you. Now, but here's the thing. The, the thing to their credit, Peter and the rest of the disciples, even though there were times when they didn't understand, they kept following Jesus. Amen. So that's, that's the exhortation. Amen. you got to keep following Jesus. Yeah. Well, even when there are times where you, you fail and you fall short and you don't get it and you have areas where you need to grow, you just got to keep following Jesus. Amen. And Jesus said, just after, just after he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, in the very next verse... This is why we need to read whole sections like this, because you get this if you just if you stop reading, you don't get this. But in verse 24, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, if you want to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now that's the key. That's the key. You gotta you gotta keep following Jesus, you gotta keep denying yourself. And if you do that, Jesus will be right there with you. He'll be right there with you. He'll be patient with you. He'll help you to grow. He'll 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 forgive your shortcomings. He'll speak the truth to you. And I'm thankful he didn't give up on Peter. And I'm thankful that Peter didn't give up on Jesus either. Do any of you have anything you'd like to to add to this message in this passage this morning? Jonathan. Regards to being revealed. Scripture said, no man can say Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And so there's a means by which this is opened up, though. Yeah, if we rely on just mere human intellect or, our, or just our own intellect, it's going to be an easy thing. But hearing the things that we heard today, that's what readies men for a good confession. Because it's a message where God can actually open up who His Son really is to people. So it's important we use God's means to open this up. We're saying that when you feel really good at the top of your game and the tendency is maybe to think that you know you, you did it in your own strength and you won us against doing that. The same is true when you reach the very bottom too. If you've had a, a failure, uh, it's it's the Lord that puts you there. It's God that puts you in that place so that you can recognize or you try and recognize 
what he's got planned for you. It's, it's the time when he calls you in and says, look, I did this for a reason. And that's a part of our growth, just as much as the uh, achievements. Yes, I, I appreciate this absolute focus on Jesus mm-hmm. throughout it. Brother Justin brought to us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we can't lose sight of. Jesus, he's a representative man, that's for sure. He's, he's, the, first, he's the first man in heaven, so there, we can come now, but he's a son of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we can't, you know, in our daily practical life, when we're out there and about, and we're not here amongst one another, that's what we got to keep in the focus of our minds. That he, is a, he is a son of God. He is, he is God. And uh, he's unlimited in his mercy and kindness and his willingness. Like you described, he's... He, he's He's not limited or restricted at all mm-hmm. in being able to, to, to lead us through. Right? And that, that's because he's the son of God mm-hmm. and not just a mere man. Amen. Yeah, you can see how merciful that uh, Christ was with these men. You know, there was going to come a time after he took away sin and rose from the dead that he was going to give them the Holy Spirit. They didn't talk like this anymore. Um, I appreciated this emphasis on that Jesus is the number one person with whom we have to do. See, he can, he's the one that can be touched with the feeling of your infirmity. So if you if you are infirmed, we have one that can can minister grace. Yeah. So then he's in heaven. He's got all power in heaven and earth. So, I mean, we don't ever want to think, well, my situation's too hard. Not for Jesus, it's not. Amen. He's got all power. So, you know, we're all going to find ourselves in time of need and in time of, you know, I sure wish whatever, fill in the blank. Take it to Jesus because he's the only one that can really help that. And he's willing to do it. He's our advocate, right? He's, he's our minister in heaven. So this is, it's a wonderful thing that Jesus has. has I mean, think about what he had to go through in order for him to fill this slot to be able to be an intercessor. And um, he had to put up with a lot of obtuse things. I mean, it just, you know, aggravated you can get when you know how to do something and then there's a bunch of people around that don't know how to do it and they think they know how to do it. But Jesus, see, this was on a much bigger scale, but Jesus persevered because he was there for a different reason, as it were. He was there to do the Father's will. He knew exactly what needed to be done, and he came and um, was merciful and kind, and at the same time, did the Father's will. Even when, I mean, these things that that you decided that he had to say, he did have to say them. You know, he was faithful to say them. Some people, I, I think, don't even believe these things are in the Bible. Jesus would never say something like that. Well, we just read it. He did say it, didn't he? Because it needed to be said. So, see, Jesus is faithful. Even you think he's not always going to give you a smile. Sometimes it's going to have to be a little bit harsher than that. But Jesus is faithful. You can depend on whatever Jesus ministers to you, there's a reason for it, and you can receive it and benefit from it. <clears throat> Peter, like you said, didn't run away. And neither will you if you're following him. If you're really following him, if 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 he's got to be harsh sometimes, you'll benefit from it. True faith will not let go of Jesus. Amen. Brother Justin made several comments about different ways that Jesus is pre- presented and preached in churches. 
Sister Debbie and I have a testimony of that this morning. Sister Ruth Burnside was recently in an assembly where the young Bible college educated preacher rolled a uh, barbecue grill in to the pulpit and preached about Jesus being like a hamburger. Now you think about how sad that is compared to what we just heard. Nothing takes the place of a heart in which the truth is burning. Now, Brother Justin is a man in whom the truth is burning bright. And just like Peter, see, he was Peter was granted insight to speak this thing. Brother Justin was granted insight to speak this thing. Be glad. Be glad that you were in a place where you got to hear these things rather than the other kind of things. See, that confirms what Brother Justin just said and several of us have said about the way Jesus is presented in some places. It's sad, more than sad. It's heartbreaking. I was thankful that Brother Justin highlighted the uniqueness of Jesus' person and ministry as it relates to him being the Christ. There are a number of things that he mentioned. One of the things, he had the spirit without limit. Mm-hmm. Um, he came down from heaven before he was born. Mm-hmm. He was in the bosom of the Father and is in the bosom of the Father. Mm-hmm. There were a number of things like that he said about his person, but also you think about what Jesus has accomplished. No man has accomplished. Yeah. Who else put away sin? Who else destroyed the devil? Who else abolished death? See, these are all central things that we believe about Jesus as the Christ because there isn't anybody else that does what Jesus has done that is so essential for us to believe. And I understand his concern about you got to be careful about making Jesus too common. Too common. Because when it comes to the things that are central to our belief, they are things that only Jesus has done. And I'm glad yeah. he brought that out with regards to him being the Christ. Amen. Brother Kevin, go ahead. Yes. Now, there's no question that Jesus was God. That the Father, the scriptures say that the Father said to the Son, Thy throne, O God. Uh-huh. Yes. But if you were to ask Jesus if he was God, he would not have answered in the affirmative. Yeah. Uh huh. He said, My Father now. My Father is greater than all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I came from the Father. And he was very. Consistently pointed that out, mm-hmm. and I, I preached. He identified with us, but he did come lower. Yeah, he did come. He humbled himself mm-hmm. and came lower. He reminded anybody that talked to him. Mm-hmm. He reminded him where he came from, where he was going to. What, whose will he was doing, whose word he was speaking, he was very consistent in it. And I think that's because we never, we never would have had an accurate depiction of God if it wasn't for Christ. Yeah, yeah. Amen. If all you were limited, now, if all you were limited to is Genesis through Malachi, that's all you're limited to. You can have a very limited idea of God. Amen. Uh, yeah, amen. Yes, just go ahead. The way Christ and Jesus yielded himself to God is um, how we are called to yield ourselves to Christ. He is a perfect example. Um, essentially, all things will um, yield to him and stay in his will is to our benefit. There is really nothing outside of his will that is. 
prosperous to us as we humble ourselves we see the, the benefits of it. And it's really a blessing to be humble in that way. To be Amen. Amen. With what Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed, I thought of the uh, promise to Abraham and how much how much could Abraham have done what God did, what God promised to Abraham. Flesh and blood didn't do that yeah. all the way back in Abraham, and that's, yeah. that's where the, the, the promise was given. And then uh, likewise, we might say, as the scripture has said, he said to Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you. So, and some other areas, see, this is this is like the, the the at the foundation of redemption, flesh and blood hath not done. Yeah. This is the work of God. And Second uh, Thessalonians talks about receiving a love of the truth. That means it was given. The love of the truth was given to us, mm-hmm. and that faith comes by hearing, yeah, and comes, hearing yeah. comes by by the word of God. So it's it's all of God. We we join in the work after He begins the work. Amen. That's, that's Amen. the only reason that our our involvement and our labors is effective at all yeah, is because He began. Amen. So a hand, back. brother, go ahead. Uh, Proverbs thirty verse four says, "Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists?" Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? And we know who that is because yeah. his son is because it says he ascended up to heaven and descended. Yeah. And we know that uh, in John 3, he was talking about uh, how Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness. But right before that, he says, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The Son of Man, which is in heaven. Amen. Right. And later, in John, he fed a bunch of people with, uh, he multiplied the bread and the fish, and he was preaching in the synagogue, mm-hmm. and he said, first, uh, John 6, 33, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life to the world. Yeah. Yes. And in verse 38, for I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then later we know, of course, he was uh, crucified and dead and resurrected, but then he ascended also. Yeah. And in Luke 24, 50, he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them, and it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him. Yeah. And also in Acts 111. Verse 9, when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So we know in Proverbs 30 who God is and who his son is, because he ascended and he descended. He's coming back again. Certainly can't be said of anyone else. Brother Jonathan. I'm thankful when it comes to confession, it is a very real confession to anyone who does profess that Jesus is the Christ. I mean, he, he, said, he said what other people have been said, and it can be easy just to get caught up in what other people say. Well, this person says, and then that just be enough to stop there. When a person says Jesus is the Christ, they're not just relaying what someone just said. It's not someone told me. It's like, 
you are. When it's a real confession, it's something you've seen for yourself. Yeah. And so we can relate to Peter in that way. When we've confessed it and we've seen it, then we can say, flesh and blood has revealed this to us as well. And it's not just mere pass-along. It's a re- It was shown to you. I'm thankful that everyone has a real confession just like Peter did. Amen. Yeah. Brother Gibbon. Yeah, sir. In Romans, one time, boy. If Ben wanted to talk about being saved by works, he gives them two works that are absolutely imperative. One of them was you'd have to go up to heaven and bring Jesus down. The second one, you have to go down the grave and bring him up. But we don't have to do that because he came down Amen. and he was raised up. That's right. But if we want to be saved by works, you you have to do those two works. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> else all right we're going to we're going to prepare our hearts for the to come around the table for the lord's supper so we're going to sing together and then brother mike blakely has our meditation this morning